Today's reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 to 13. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was talking uh, to an old funeral director of mine a while back now and uh, I'd been to my uncle's funeral and well essentially I was whinging I was whinging um, that it had been a humanist funeral and I thought it was horrid and uh, he agreed and he said oh yeah no I hate humanist funerals he said in fact he said whenever um, I've got a family who are um in and are in and they don't know what to do he said I always suggest they get a vicar and I was like oh that's nice keeping my kids in shoes and uh, and he laughed he said no he said Liz he said the thing about your lot is he said you've got a bit of hope about you he said and I like that and I guess that's a good thing isn't it because you know as a general rule we are quite good at talking about hope as Christians aren't we I mean I mean, actually, we are we are really good at talking about the hope of eternal life, especially, um, you know, on those occasions when uh, we have loads of people in church who don't normally come to church, kind of the hatch match and dispatches, uh, if you will. And uh, yeah, you know, at a funeral, we talk about hope, don't we? We talk about the hope of eternal life, the hope of being with Jesus and of being reunited with others in heaven. At a wedding, we, we pray for the lifelong union of a couple and we pray that when their life comes to an end, they will know the hope of an eternity in heaven. At a baptism, we stand and we declare Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and our hope of eternal life. And we can talk about um, how we can endure the struggles of this life because of the hope and the promise of the next. And you know, honestly, I feel like we're wishing our lives away 
you know, kind of when people come to us with their problems and, and the struggles that they face in life, we we can talk to them about hope, can't we? You know, we can we can tell them about how we we live in this fallen world and, and we can tell them that God hates all the bad stuff and he doesn't cause it and it's not his fault, but it's okay. You can have hope because through Jesus, you can have the hope of a better life, a life where there's there's no pain and there's no hurt or injustice. It's just the only slight snag is, is you've got to wait till you're dead to get it. And, and technically, I guess there's nothing untrue in anything I just said, except that kind of, you know, for the most people, that kind of hope doesn't, doesn't quite cut it, does it? It's a little bit of a cop out because simply talking about the hope of eternity doesn't always offer us hope for today in the here and now. And I think, I think for so many of us, that's what we're crying out for kind of when life is hard and and I'm not sure that we're so good at talking or modeling that kind of hope and I think that's the kind of hope that Paul is talking about in in Romans in chapter 15 when he talks about that our hope should be set on God and and his hope that hope would overflow from us and he he gives us this brilliant image of like us being filled with hope and there would be so much hope that we where we can't keep it in it's like bubbling up and falling out of us all over the place and there's just like hope everywhere it's all over the floor for people to trip over and and fall into and and I love that image and I think that kind of hope that kind of hope is really inspirational but but I think the problem is that I think in our humanness we're not actually always that good at at experiencing hope you know hope doesn't kind of come naturally to us and I think so often it's because we we sort of mix biblical and worldly hope up all together and inadvertently we try to kind of stuff God into this little tiny box that he invariably doesn't fit in the thing about worldly hope I think is it comes with a desire but not certainty you know if I'm going out for a night out I might kiss the kids and say right I hope to be back before bedtime and what I mean is I I desire to be back before bedtime but there's no certainty I will Every year, every year without fail, when Reese and I head off to watch Wales play England in the Six Nations, I have hope. I have hope that England will give Wales an utter shoo-in. And some years that hope is more realistic than others, but it's never a certainty. I can hope for a win, but it might not happen. And I guess that kind of hope is okay for regular stuff like bedtime and sport, but it falls a bit short when we talk about faith, doesn't it? I mean, are we really saying, I want to spend an eternity with God. I want God to move. And, and fingers crossed, it might happen. And I think therein lies this small yet vital uh, difference between worldly and biblical hope. In a worldly hope, I think what we're actually expressing is, is uncertainty. But biblical hope comes with expectation and certainty, you know? Uh, biblical hope not only desires something good for the future it actually expects it to happen and more than that it, it not only expects it to happen it's confident that it will happen putting put our, our hope in God doesn't mean closing our eyes crossing our fingers and hoping for the best it means expecting great things from God and and this is the hope, I think, that we see all throughout the Bible, isn't it? And, and I think in Paul's letter to the Romans, it kind of just runs as this little thread all the way through it. 
kind of so in 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 Romans 4 Abraham is is given to us as a model of faith as this reminder that that God made good on a promise of an heir we're told in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father to many nations Abraham's hope in God came with the expectation that he would do what he said he was in Romans 5 we're told rejoice in the hope and the sharing of the glory of God And more than that, that present suffering uh, doesn't dash hope, it actually builds hope. Because with hope comes the expectation and the certainty that God can and will work all things to good. In Romans 8, uh, Paul tells us that there is uh, far more than we can ever hope to see, or hope is bigger than what we can see, because hope with the hope there's there's an expectation and a certainty that God can do more than we can ever imagine and in Romans 9 perhaps when we think that all is lost it's actually in lamenting the fate of Israel that out of the lament comes the hope and in Romans 15 kind of worse a veritable sandwich of hope it begins with us being reminded that that through the scriptures through the word of God it gives us the reminder of God's character and all that he's done and that we can have hope in that and it ends it ends with the words that I alluded to, um, was talking about earlier and then it says you know may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and Paul tells us that if we want to live this hope-filled life, then we've got to be people who live our lives rooted in scripture and in prayer. You know, people who are rooted in scripture and in prayer are rooted in hope because scripture encourages us and it reminds us of, of God's promises. And, and I guess more than that, it reminds us of all those promises that he's already fulfilled rooting ourselves in scripture and in prayer enables us to overflow with hope because it transforms us into people who know and I mean don't just know but like knowing that like the core of our very being that that hope in God comes with the expectation and the certainty that he can and will uh, work in any and all situations and we've got to pray this in our lives and the lives of other people and, and in our nation because you know when we have hope we are happy. <laughs> yeah, if only. Um, yeah, you guys know this more than, uh, just as much as I do, that hope doesn't always mean happy. And if we want to live with integrity, which, by the way, I think is, other than the Bible, the, the most effective tool we have for mission, we can't always be happy. Because having hope in Jesus doesn't take away our hopes and our dreams for this life. And, and they're not always realised, are they? And if you're anything like me, when my hopes in this life aren't realised, the last people I want to be around are are happy people. <laughs> you know, when our hopes aren't realised, we need people who will lament with us. And, and some of you will have heard me talk about this before, and I promise I am not getting on my soapbox, I promise. But lament is one of the things I think that the church has forgotten. You know, somehow I think we've lost the, the art of lament because maybe, I don't know, maybe we feel that if we lament, then we're being hopeless. And, and we don't want to do that, do we? We want to be hopeful people. But I don't actually think the two things have to be mutually exclusive. If we look at the Psalms, you know, the Psalms of lament especially show us that true hope in God means so often that in the depths of despair, those are the moments where we find true hope. And... Um, Oh, and you know, you know, when I look, when I look at the world at the moment, 
and and I think about all the things that people have suffered and lost in in just this last sixteen months or so. I think, oh, do you know, man, we have we have such an opportunity as a church here. We have such an opportunity to to lament and grieve with those who need it, and for ourselves, um, and for want of a better word, like for us to be able to embrace our own hurts and disappointments, because you know it's right there in the middle of the mess and the ugliness when we find hope, and it's not that whimsical cross your fingers worldly hope it's a steadfast hope and a hope that endures all things and a hope that as Paul puts it does not disappoint because as the late great Christopher Reeve once said when he was after his accident that paralyzed him once you choose hope anything is possible and I guess simply that's my prayer for us today as as churches and as individuals that you know we would be overflowing in hope so much so that people would look at us and they would say you know what I like them because they've got a bit of hope about them and it's not that cross your fingers hope for the best kind of hope it's that real hope that comes with the certainty that God is going to do something truly amazing and not just in the future, but in the here and now and today. Amen. Amen.